meeting is being recorded. Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Iris. It's good to be back on the air with you and with Dr. John Shiver again. And I'm not going to say too much because we're in the middle of something flowing here. And, um, and I think while we've got Dr. John with us, we better just let him talk because uh, <laughs> we've had some technical hitches as well. So we're just going to go ahead and jump straight in here. Is that okay with you, John? Good morning, Iris. Yes, it's always okay. We're going to get the technical things worked out here and we're going to forge ahead. So I've, I've got a hammer and a screwdriver, but you know, nothing soft enough to hit the computer with. <laughs> well, when my malfunctions, I'm ready to get a board and beat it. So, so, uh, so anyway, anyway, it's good to be back with you. I trust you and everybody there has had a, a blessed. Christmas and 2022 is now upon us and has begun and we are now moving forward in a whole new era and a uh, whole new year and uh, always consider it a privilege and an honor and a joy to be with you and your audience. Oh, yes, I I think we're going to really enjoy this season. Uh, you know, John, I really feel this is going to be a good year, a really good year. And I'm really looking forward to 2022. Um, I think uh, it's a, a prophetic year. So anything you've got to tell us and share with us will be good. I think we've all been through some major battles, and I think we are presently in the thick of a, a battle, and I believe probably the battles are going to go continually forward in 2020-22, but for those who love Jesus, for those who love his presence, love his glory, love his anointing and are living, living, living their lives for him and not themselves. I believe the days ahead are going to be glorious days and blessed days. You know, it's interesting to me that in the midst of all the calamity of 2020 and all the calamity of 2021, that Many Christians are prospering. They are prospering. I had a conversation with a pastor last, last week, and he said, John, we had built a building, a church building, you know, like 15 years ago. And he said, last year this time, we still owed a half million dollars on the building after payments. And he said, we just realized the building is paid off. Wow. That God has supernaturally brought in the funds oh. to pay off the on the building. Another pastor's church, they owed two and a half million dollars. And they were hoping that it paid off in five or six years. Well, they burned their mortgage last week. That it was all paid off. Wow. And, and I, could, I could tell others stories of people beginning to thrive and prosper mm. financially through unexpected, unforeseen sources of income just coming into their their, their hands from, you know, we have been a recipient of a little of that uh, this year. I had gotten a letter um, a couple of months ago. My, my mother had died in 2005, and uh, my father had died in 2006. Now, that's, that's, that's 15 years ago, 16 years ago, 17 years ago, 16 for sure. Well, I got a letter in the mail unexpectedly about some life insurance that we had no idea that either 
offer of the bad and wound up getting life insurance policies. We had no idea that even existed. All of that had been put behind 15, 16, 17 years ago. We've seen several things like that happen for us. And so ours, I believe, as Isaiah chapter 60 says, that darkness is going to cover the earth and darkness the people, but his glory is going to be seen upon us. And I have just begun to hear story after story after story of God's people prospering and having unexpected financial blessings coming into their hands from totally unexpected sources in the midst of a worldwide pandemic and total upheaval in the natural realm. And, and that's just, you know, Isaiah chapter 60 said it was going to be like that. Yeah. And um, so, you know, we, we, we are just in oneness and very darkness. But if you look at the word of God, I believe the days ahead are going to be the greatest days we've ever known. I believe the greatest glory we've ever known is coming the greatest revival the world has ever known is coming i believe christians are going to be supernaturally healed we heard just yesterday of a woman that had stage four lung cancer and the doctors had told her that there's nothing that can be done and you've got about six months to live and um and we're just going to treat you but you've got about six months to live and that was a year and a half ago and and she just wouldn't die and she went to doctors and they did all the scans and all the tests her lungs are clear there's absolutely no cancer in her body and she was not even you know she was not even believing for that but God has, has done it. And so, you know, we just, we're just rejoicing that Jesus is Lord. He's coming very, very soon. Hallelujah. And our job right now is to do all we can do to get people ready, yeah. to get people ready, get prepared. And uh, for the days that are, that are coming, I want to go back and revisit because it's been over the Christmas holiday, we took a break and we had some technical problems and that caused us to take another break. And, but I want us to go back and I want us to pick up and just briefly touch because there are people that are, are listening in and the audience today that were with us the last time we did this, but I shared a little bit about, the third largest earthquake the world had ever experienced in recorded history that took place on December the 28th back in 2004. It took place deep beneath the Indian Ocean off the coast of Indonesia. And it created created the sixth largest natural natural disaster in recorded history as a as a tsunami came all around the shorelines of the Indian Ocean from India to Bangladesh to Thailand and I use the illustration that that earthquake took place down beneath the ocean and no one saw it no one saw it, but it created, it was, it was caused by the equivalent of about 30,000 nuclear weapons all dedicate, detonated at the same time. Scientists later discovered it had shifted the earth off of its axis one inch. It set off thousands of small tremors in every corner of the earth. 
But the big disaster was the shock of that beneath the ocean went out across the Indian Ocean and waves began, tsunami waves began to come in on all of those shorelines everywhere, traveling at about 600 miles an hour. And when they came upon the shorelines, it started with very small waves that got larger and larger and larger, coming faster, faster, and faster, until there at the end, the waves were almost 100 feet tall in some places and just completely overflowed all of these regions around the Indian Ocean. And about 280,000 people lost their lives that day. And I likened that, and I know I'm repeating myself a little bit to set the stage for where we're going to go today. I likened that to revival and the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Now, remember that the Holy Spirit had been active in the earth since Genesis 1 verse 2. When water covered the whole earth, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit brooded over the waters and literally impregnated life into the earth. And so we see the Holy Spirit beginning literally before Adam and Eve, before the animals, even before land. At the time of creation, the Holy Spirit was already here. But we see the Holy Spirit operating all across the, the millennium of the Old Testament. And then when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, we see, we read the record of John the Baptist who said when Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove and hovered there. And that was the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. And for the next three years, the next three years, miracles and healings and all of these amazing things followed Jesus wherever he went. And so the whole world was shaken. But before Jesus was crucified, he told the disciples that the same Holy Spirit that had rested upon him was going to come upon them and do nothing but wait in Jerusalem until they are endued power from on high. And once the Holy Spirit comes, he said, I will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He said, once he comes, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so we find in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost was the day that the Holy Spirit began to be poured out on all flesh. That was the beginning of the fulfilling of Joel chapter 2. But I want to liken that in the minds and the imaginations of your audience today to that being like the great earthquake and the resulting tsunami of December 4th, 2004, in that it was hidden and out of sight but it traveled at great, great speed underneath the surface of the water. I mean, I there were ships that went right through the tsunami and they never All they said is the water looks strange when this force, the equivalent of 30,000 nuclear weapons went through the water under them, it made the surface water look strange, but, but there was no wave, there was no sound, but it, it went right beneath them. But it was only seen when it began to hit the shorelines. Mm -hmm. And it came wave after wave after wave, small, getting larger, 
and larger and faster and faster until it overflowed everything. And so I like that story as it relates to the day of Pentecost, that it was on that day that the Holy Spirit came and was poured out in the earth and it began. That was the beginning of the work of the Holy Spirit. The early years of the church, we've talked about that before. Your country of England was powerfully impacted. The UK was impacted. Europe was, was, was impacted as God began to move powerfully by his spirit. By the time we get to the second century, a hundred years later, the, the, what I like to call the drought, of the Holy Spirit has begun because men and religion have now taken the place of the work of the Holy Spirit and they've organized it. And they've capitalized it. And then came several hundred years later, what was known as the dark age, ages. And I've touched on some of these things already, but I'm bringing, I'm trying to bring everybody that listens in along so that people that may not have heard this before know where we're trying to go. Of the dark ages, which basically lasted from the year 590 until almost 1300. But Iris, throughout all the dark ages, it was like the tsunami that was going underneath the ocean. It was still there. It was still moving, though it was not visible. It was not visible to the naked eye. You would look at the, the church and you would just say, well, it's all gone. But that was not true at all. The Holy Ghost was always moving. But, by the, but even in those days, even in those days, one of my favorite stories, and I tell it often, I tell this story often, was the story in Europe of a young man that felt the call of God. He enrolled in a seminary, a Catholic seminary. And and he was an absolute horrible student. He had a personality that no one, no friends, he, professors just basically passed him on just to get rid of him until finally he had taken all the courses in the school and they had to graduate. But the thing that made him so different was is he was a young man that loved to pray. And he prayed continuously for hours. He had this great burden in his heart. God, make your people holy. God, come. We want to see your holiness, your glory, and your holiness. God, make them. He graduated from seminary. What are they going to do with him? Well, they found a little, they found a little small parish out in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of nowhere in France, this small little Catholic church in the middle of nowhere that only had two members, and those were two elderly sisters, and they said, we'll just send him out there, and he can, he can pastor that, and he can't do any damage there, so he had these two elderly ladies, and he just preached the same message every Sunday. Every time they came together, he preached the same message. But Iris, years later, all the kings and queens and prime ministers and heads of state and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people came from near and afar to the little Catholic parish in the middle of nowhere. The older ladies had died. 
and it was only him. For him to continue to preach on the same thing, you know, and that is God, make your people holy and the holiness of God because of the tangible glory and presence of the Holy Spirit that was in that little Catholic church. They came, they came from all across Europe to experience the phenomenon. Well, what happened was is he had just tapped in to that tsunami that was flowing beneath the surface out of sight of God that was still out there in the earth. But by the time we get to the year 1100, 1200, 1300, 1400, the little waves of tsunami are beginning to arrive on the shoreline. In Florence, Italy, there was a Catholic priest by the name of Girolamo Savonarola. That's his name, Savonarola. And he got a great burden to pray. And he pastored a little small Catholic parish outside of Florence. And the glory of the Lord began to come there in that place. And so many times, Savonarola would just get caught up in the glory, in the service. Sometimes he would just be frozen in place for hours. The people would be. Well, they finally had to move the meetings into Florence because so many people were trying to get into this little church. And then the glory began to come in, in, in Florence, Italy. And I would encourage your audience to go and research the thing. You see, Iris, I don't make all this stuff up. This is history. And his name was Savonarola, Girolamo Savonarola, in the year 1497. And the glory of God came upon Florence, Italy, in such intensity that it is recorded history that the people of, of Florence would just walk through the streets unable to speak because of the glory of the Lord, that they brought all of their occult fetishes, all of their demonic idols, all their pornographic artwork and statues, they brought it all together into the city, the center of the city in, in Florence, and they burned it all. They burned all of the stuff because of the glory of the Lord that was holy. It was holy, and people experienced it. And Savonarola began to prophesy that if the Catholic Church did not turn from their wickedness, if they did not turn from their evil, that God would send judgment upon them. And so they did. They persecuted Savonarola. They put him in prison. Iris, I have stood in the very prison cell where Savonarola was imprisoned before he was martyred. I've stood in, I've got a picture somewhere. Yvette took me standing on the very place where Savonarola was, was held in Florence, Italy, before he was killed for his faith. But he prophesied that if the Catholic Church did not repent and come back, well, they rejected and they killed him. And a few years later, in fact, 20 years later, in 1517, a young man by the name of Mark, Luther was the catalyst that God used to start the Protestant Reformation that split the Catholic Church and, and, and took out so many people that really, really wanted God more than they wanted. Well, that was the Holy Ghost. That was the, that was the wave of, of glory beneath the, the surface. Well, by the time you get to the 1600s, into the 1700s, Revival is beginning to come 
come again. I mean, go and, and read the records of Count Zinzendorf, Count Zinzendorf in, in, in Switzerland and in Europe, in the birth of the Moravians, the Moravians, and how the Moravians organized a prayer meeting mm -hmm. for revival that went 24 hours a day, seven days a week for 100 years. Oh. 100 years. It was not a big thing, but it was just people praying and interceding. And then comes the first great awakening in England, in America, and in Europe. That when God began to raise up people like John Wesley and George Whitfield and all these great preachers, what did they preach on? They preached on holiness and salvation. Mm -hmm by faith, by grace, through faith. And God began to, God literally changed the society and the culture of the UK because of that, that, that flow of God and what God was doing. And so we go through the 1700s, 1600s through the 1700s, we get to the 1800s, and it only accelerates. It only accelerates and increases in the 1800s. The great revivals worldwide, the, the second great awakening, the general awakening, the 1800s were characterized. Well, what's happening? It's like the tsunami that they had a great earthquake deep in the earth below the waves of the Indian Ocean. But the shockwave from that went out. And across the century, that shockwave has flowed across time. But the little small waves, the first waves begin. But every wave that has come has been and greater than the way that went before it. And they're coming higher and they're coming faster than they've ever happened. Well, that was the story of the 1800s. When we get into the 1900s, there were more, there were more revivals in the 1900s between 1900 and the year 2000 than in 1900 years prior to all of that combined. Now, that's significant. That is very, very significant. Consider the great Welsh revival of 1904 and the great Azusa Street revival of 1906. I want to encourage your audience to go back and research there's a wonderful series of books written by a man by the name of Robert Lairdon, who is a, a, a historian called God's Generals. God's Generals. I would encourage you to get that. Read the, the stories of Evan Roberts and, and some of these great revivals that, that, that continue. And, and flowed and, and throughout the 1900s, the great healing revival that came in, in the 1940s, massive outpouring of healing. I've heard the stories of, 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 of miraculous things, miraculous, miracle ministries. And there were some great, famous preachers that had great miracle ministries, people like Oral Roberts and, and Branham and Allen and, 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 and all, there, were, there were many of them, but there were literally thousands of others, not famous, that all over the world that saw great, great manifestations of healing in their ministries, multitudes in the 40s. And then in the 1950s, you have the explosion 
explosion of the evangelism revival with people like Billy Graham. <coughs> God used all over the world. And then you get into the 1960s with the great charismatic outpouring of the 60s and 70s and, and then the explosion of Christian television and Christian publishing all over the world and, and in the 70s and 80s. And then in the 1990s, the glory of God began to break out in places like Lakeland, Florida and Toronto, Canada and Holy Trinity in Brompton, in London, and thousands of other places began to experience the glory of God. And so wave after wave after wave, all of them coming higher, and all of them coming quicker. But the interesting part of the whole thing as it relates to the, the uh, tsunami of 2004 is, be, is because before the biggest waves came in, all the water went out. The water went out before the big waves came in. And I believe that's what Paul was talking about in his letter to the church at Thessalonica, when he talked about in the very last days before Jesus comes, there will be a great falling away. A great falling away. And before the tsunami of 2004, the water from all these shoreline areas of the earth went out. In some places, there was a mile and a half of exposed ocean floor. And there were people that were walking far offshore to find the fish. I mean, there were all these fish that were left stranded in shallow water and people went going out, having no idea what was getting ready to come back. Mm -hmm. That all that water went out, but all that water plus a lot more was gonna come back with those big waves. And so many of those people that perished. But before that, there was a great falling away. We have seen great revival in the earth. Millions of people are being saved. Many millions of people are being saved around the world. Right now in Africa and other places, even in the midst of pandemics. God is continuing to move. But in Asia, I mean, there's true revival going on in places like Pakistan, Saudi Arabia. There's great revival going on in, in Muslim countries like Iran, where you can be killed for your faith. And yet there's this underground flow there of revival among Muslims that are being radically saved. And, and these, these horrific countries like Iran and, and all of these places where people, they, they face martyrdom for Jesus, but they don't care. And so the wave is continuing to move. And it's out there. It's out there. And it's moving. We've, we've made 19 trips to the worst of the worst places in India and seen tens upon tens upon tens of thousands of people go to great lengths to come to the meetings to hear the gospel. In India, where people, where pastors have their churches burned, people are beaten, pastors are killed, their faith, and yet God is moving in these last days. Now, the reason I'm teaching on all this today is because if Jesus really is coming, and we believe he is, because you and I spent a significant amount of time 
study the the last days, the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, what the church would be doing during the tribulation at the judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb, while all hell was breaking out on the earth, what we would be doing in heaven. And I think the case was made to any person with an open mind wanting, genuinely wanting to, to know truth, I think the case has been added more than adequately made that we're really living in the last days, that Jesus really is coming. He really is coming, that every box, prophetic box has been checked of things that Jesus said and the Bible teaches would be in the earth, in the last days, right before he comes. And now we're seeing this tsunami of the Holy Spirit that is moving in the earth quite silently. is hours before it came. All the animals along the shorelines of India, Bangladesh, Thailand, that animals began to become agitated and burned. Birds began to fly inland. Animals that lived in shoreline areas began to move to the hills and move to the mountain. While people were going out to collect the fish, the animals were, were fleeing inland because they instinctively knew how we'll never know. But they had... Instinctively knew before that they were in tune, the unseen realm. And for someone that wants to know truth and reality, they sense that something is going on. In, in 2015, a random survey was died walks of major United States cities that revealed Iris, this is seven, this is seven. This is ago that this survey was done. Percent of the people surveyed on the sidewalks of, of three major United States cities, New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles. Here, the statistics, I believe, that they were living in the last days but they believed something was coming and the end of the world. That was 2015. That was before all the entity that has gone. All the insanity of COVID and pandemics and lockdown of these things. And so I, I believe that are more than they've ever before to ready for God to move and that the glory of God sending the earthquake at the bottom of the ocean the biggest waves of the tsunami that God said that knowledge of the cover the earth as the waters cover the sea i believe we're right there at that now and so as it gets darker and darker out there i believe it's going to get brighter and brighter and brighter for the church for those that will receive
Amen. So there we are. That's where we are today. To well, all the past, to all the pastors out there. Yeah. Pastors, it's not going to be church like you've known it in the past. It's not going to be church like normal church. You need to quit trying to resurrect the old ways. You need to be praying for those in ministry, pastors, leaders. You need to petition God. You need to get, get on your face before God yeah. at this beginning of 2022. You need to begin to fast. You need to begin to pray. You need to just be quiet and hear what the Holy Spirit is saying mm -hmm. to the church in our generation. Because we're living, we're living in un, unprecedented times. Mm -hmm. But in the midst of all of this, God is moving. The Holy Ghost is coming. Revival is beginning to ignite the little waves are beginning to be sensed for we're living in the days before, because the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus is coming is imminent. Yeah. But before he comes, a tsunami of his glory is going to overshadow yeah. everything. And God is going to bring in the biggest harvest of souls the world has ever seen. Amen. It's going to happen. Yeah. And there are probably some people listening in from the audience today say, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. That's fine. We love you. We bless you today. We love and honor and bless you. But whether you believe it or I believe it or you don't or I don't is not going to change anything. It's not going to change it. You don't have to believe. It. I don't have to believe. It. But there is a tsunami that has been prophesied for thousands of years. I mean, Joel said in Joel 2.28, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Habakkuk says the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Go and read what what the word of god says and you will be amazed and astounded but it's coming it's not a matter of having faith praying in faith that it'll come it's going to come because everything has already been set in motion and the bible clearly says it's going to happen so there we are there we are today and, and let's talk about it, Iris. Tell me what you're thinking. Well, I was just thinking you are so spot on. I spoke to a lady earlier this morning, and she's a, a Jewish lady. She's got a story behind her, John. She's only been Jewish for a year, which is a Messianic Jew, but she is actually a Jewess, and she didn't know that she was a Jewess. She always felt that she, she looks quite Jewish. Well, I found some documents, or her son found some documents and research, and she is a Jewess. She is now teaching the, the, the Hebrew side of things um, <clears throat> through the alphabet, you know, the Hebrew alphabet, things like that, and the things that are opening up. And what she was saying today, she said, I can't deliver the, you know, what I said I would this week, Iris, because God's told me to do this on Saturday. I've got to do this. So I said, well, okay, let's, let's do what you think is right. And it's, a, it's a, a very powerful prophetic message to the church, to Christians on exactly what you're saying. You know, so the, the message is out there. It isn't just you saying that. When will the pastors yes. grab it and listen to it? You know, how do you get these messages in front of the pastors that don't want to hear? Well, God had already said to me a few years back, if his pastors and leaders don't listen, he said the first are going to be last, and the last will be the first. And he was talking about yeah. the older ones that haven't been able to do anything in, within the church ministry, which God had, had raised us to do. 
with the skills that he'd given us. I remember reading a, a really, it's a true story. All my stories are true. I don't, I don't make any of this up. Is many years ago in, in the state of Oklahoma, in the United States, there was a, a tribe of Indians. We call them Native Americans, but they were not Indians like from Bombay or Shania or Delhi. They were American, Native Americans. And they they lived out in the in the in the very rural part of Oklahoma on a reservation. But there was there was an oil company that came and explored for oil, and they found oil on that reservation. And so they put in an oil well, and they began to pump oil. And all of a sudden, overnight all of these Native American Indians tribe suddenly became incredibly wealthy <laughs> with royalties from the oil companies. And there was this one Indian chief that was kind of in charge of everything, all this money. And he used they used to laugh at him because he went out and he bought this huge, huge Cadillac. That's a luxury automobile, but that was back in the days that they had all the fins and the lights and all the ornaments, this gigantic car. And this Indian chief would ride around the town and the area and the, the reservation every day in this giant luxury automobile, but it was being pulled by horses. He had a team of horses and had them pull the car. And people used to make fun of him because of his horse-drawn luxury automobile and saying, You're, you've got that, that car being pulled by three horses around the reservation. Don't you understand that you have hundreds and hundreds of horsepower in the engine of that car instead of getting towed around by three horses pulling it like a wagon? All you have to do is put the key in the ignition and turn it and an engine will produce enough power for hundreds of horses but he never did that. He was just happy to ride around in his horse-drawn Cadillac and leave the hundreds of, and I, you know, I heard that story. It's funny, but, you know, I see that being like a lot of pastors that just want to have church the way they've always had church. Yeah. You know, here God is in the last days pouring out his spirit. God wants to move miraculously power in the earth and they just they just looking for another horse to pull them around yeah. and show off and toot their horn and the world's laughing at them and they don't they don't know why and it's because they're missing they're missing what God is wanting to do right now because of their inability to change anything but God's gonna do it yeah God is going to yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I was quite shocked. The same thing happened last year, but this year is more relevant. Um, Christmas, as you know, was, was on the Saturday, but our church was closed on the Sunday, but they, they opened on the Saturday for an hour in the morning for an hour of service on Christmas Day. And then when we got to this weekend, they did the same thing. But they didn't, I don't think they opened a call on the Saturday. So we haven't had church officially for two weeks, bar COVID. You know, it just, just didn't happen. And I thought, how can you do that when, when that is the whole centre of the English Christianity is one day a week? How can you say, we're not going to do it because it's Christmas week? I, I couldn't get that. And I felt very, very... I haven't got a word to describe how I felt. Totally empty. Sure. I was shocked. Sure. 
because the penny just suddenly dropped at, why? You're our pastors. We should all be there. Many people sure. wanted to be. Sure. But yeah, that's serious, serious stuff. Sure. Well, Iris, I believe it's all part of the times in which we're living. It's prophetic fulfillment. But I just keep my eyes on the promises of God. Amen. And I keep my eyes on what the Holy Spirit's doing. I'm not really interested in what religion is doing and organization is doing and denomination is doing. But I am keenly interested in what the Holy Spirit of God is doing. Amen. And I want to be a part of that. And I think a lot of your audience is at that very place, too. That's true. They just long to be part of what God is doing and just let men and organizations and denominations just go play their religious games, getting towed around by their horses, blowing their car horn and waving at the people. God is on the move and we're yeah, going to be a absolutely. part of it. Absolutely. Thank God that he is. Amen. Jesus is coming. Amen. Jesus is coming. Well. Wow, that's a big breath for, wasn't it, today? It was absolutely lovely. <laughs> well. But it's time for us to go, folks. You know, the time goes so quickly. And I'm sure John could go on for hours. Knowing John, he <laughs> could definitely go on for hours. <laughs> we're going to say bye-bye for this week, and we'll be back soon. So we say bye-bye, everybody. And uh, John can hang on for a minute with me, but I'm sure he would like to say bye-bye to you all for now. And God bless you all, and we'll see you again very soon. Amen. <laughs>